Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 591 for April 27th, 2019, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Kaylee Dio. You may have heard of her before. I believe she's been on the show before. Kaylee is the host of the Zetai Geek Dio podcast, or the recently revived Zetai Geek yes. Dio podcast. Kaylee is also an English language teacher at primary schools in Japan, but she doesn't just whip out a dusty old grammar book and drone on about when to use a gerund. She has mad programming and maker skills, and she puts them to use in engaging the children. Welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thank you. And what is a gerund anyway? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I know that's... the end in ing. That's that's uh, okay. pretty much it. Uh, Sandy will I'll tell us later. She'll, she'll send oh, me yeah, an email. Sandy will, thank you, Sandy, for all your advice and help over the years. It's, it's, Always great. She covers By the way, all my I grammar pull, needs. Before we start the show, what I, I have, I have a bone to pick with you because <laughs> you cost me so much money mm-hmm. because you do these great reviews and then and then I'm, I, I I go out and buy things. So um, you <laughs> what did I do a now. great review. Well, well, so you did a great review of the iPad Mini Fifth Generation, and I had been debating for a while because I wanted a second iPad. I have an iPad Air two, and it's getting a little long in the tooth. And it was such a great review that I rushed out and I bought. An iPad Pro 11 inch. Wait a um, minute. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll see. The, so the thing is, is your review hit all the points that were great for what you use it for. But it was like, no, but that's the exact opposite of what I need. And oh. I had been debating between the two for a while. So it was like, oh, okay, that that is a, hearing your perspective made me go, no, that's not for me. And plus, I got the uh, the 11 incher uh, about 200 hunyakers off the retail price used, um, which oh, is sweet. basically new and. Well, it's basically new in box because people keep ter- care, people keep care of, take care of their stuff in Japan, you know. So mm, but, uh, nice. it's good, yeah. So no, no, it. so great. that's interesting because you have a twelve point nine inch iPad Pro, and that's your I daily do. driver. You're recording from it. You're on Discord with me right now from an iPad, right? Exactly. And then I have my my eleven inch sitting next to me. Oh, I have my eleven inch sitting next to me with uh, the notes for everything open up. So now, that's um, what's great about it, I should say, is in the technology at uh, the education aspect of it is the fact that the new iPad Pro with the smart uh, folio is what it's called. Um, it has a magnetic back to it. So it's very easy for me to pick it up during class and take it out of the case and walk around with it. Ah. And that was the big thing. Unlike the older ones, which have, if you buy like the, the oh, cheap ones flippy. from Amazon or whatever, they, they have that clear back that is so hard to take off. And so being able to just kind of magnetically pop it off, pop it on, uh, is that was a selling point for me. So so what I do you do need an 11 inch for? By the way, to this is not the classroom. This, oh, okay. So the 11 inch is easier to carry around the classroom exactly. than the 12.9. And the 12.9 sits up there. And a lot of times what I do is I dual wield. So I have my iPad Air 2 up until now. Um, and I have notes or I have the answers or I have something on there that I don't want the kids to see. Or sometimes I'll have the next part of the lesson. And then I just, I use uh, AirPlay to AirPlay to an Apple TV 3 in the classroom. And then maybe I have one part of the lesson on one of the iPads, and then I'm prepping the next part while they're working on an activity on the other one, then I can just seamlessly switch from one to the other and not waste time. So it, but, it allows me a little But why two iPads that are so close together in size? I mean, 11 and 12.9, I mean, that's like two inches. That is a fairly significant difference. But I would have thought that the iPad mini would be great for dragging around the room. But it's the, the weight is not... It, it, I have bigger hands, maybe, and and also the weight is is not as bad as um, as I thought. I tried okay. it out in the store, and it was like, oh, this isn't so bad. Plus, the fact that when I'm traveling, I want like a really good quality iPad. The big things for me were ProMotion, and, and like I said, being able to just pull it off of the case really quickly. Um, that yeah. alone is a selling point. Just like 
you know, two seconds and it's, it's off and it's ready to go. So explain Where's to me where you I... see promotion. Cause I, I, I completely discounted that in my, uh, when I did the iPad comparison lineup, it's in my little chart, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I know what it even is. When, when, when you have an iPad Air 2, at least for me, when you have an iPad Air 2 sitting next to the latest generation iPad Pro and you're swiping on the home screen, I mean, I can tell the difference immediately. It's just okay. so much smooth better. like butter. Yeah. Smooth like butter. So it's like, <laughs> I, I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't drink or anything. I don't, you know, I, I save my money and I buy gadgets. So it's like, okay, you know, why not? <laughs> I, I always tell people that they say, man, you buy all these gadgets. I said, yeah, but if you notice, I've been wearing the same clothes for like 12 years. I don't ever buy exactly. anything new. <laughs> I, and nothing fits here in Japan. So it's like, I don't have the temptation to go buy clothes. It's like, so. oh, that's right. Everything would be wrong. Yeah. Well, I make a couple trips abroad every year and then my suitcase is empty when I leave. And then when I come back, it's full of just, you know, clothes for the next six to eight months or whatever. The so. Essentials, right? Well, mm-hmm. um, I don't expect I will be successful in keeping us on the rails, but I'm going to get us on the rails for a few minutes. I mean, it's okay. We're going to go off. Um, I don't know Ruby, by the way. That's that's not what we're talking about. Today, so. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So... Give give the the um, the overview to the audience of what the the main crazy cool thing you do in this in the in the classroom. Oh, first of all, how old are the kids? Uh, range from eight to twelve. I teach grades three through six. Oh, okay. Um, my primary oh, focus. They're is monsters at that grade. age. Okay. Um, grade three is is uh, well, no comment on that. Uh, grade four gets a little better. Um, they're they're kind of crazy by grade five, but. Within a couple months, this is the toughest part of the year because the school starts in school year starts in April, so they're just getting used to me. Uh, Although they had me last year, which is kind of like you think they'd be used to me, but they're they've forgotten everything last year. But <laughs> um, but it's like so we're starting from zero again, and they're new teachers and people rotate and everything. Um, so it's it's this is the toughest part of the year. But after a few weeks, couple months, they they get used to me, and then the grade six ones are just amazing. I mean, they are just. And then I get frustrated sometimes because teachers are like, they can't do that. I'm like, of course they can. What are you talking about? Let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But they can do it. I think they can do it. So I push them. And, and they, they, part of the fun of, of bringing in, you know, sort of entertainment aspects to, you know, educa- edutainment aspects to learning is that it, they think they're having fun and they are, but they're also learning something at the same time. So. Okay. Well, now that we got the age range in there, give me the, um, like the, the elevator pitch of what's different about how you, I mean, you're teaching kids who speak Japanese as their first language, you're teaching them English, but somehow this ends up with you programming in JavaScript. Start (laughs) us out on the path from A to to B in that. Well, it all started many years ago, not that many years ago. Um, No, as a child, um, my dream was to be a game show host. Oh, And so that's where it all starts. And if if you asked me at age five, what do you want to be? I want to be a game show host, right? which is such a weird thing for a kid to say, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, ever said that. Right? I don't think any, I've never met anyone else who wanted to be a game show host, but that was my dream. It's always been my dream. And um, unfortunately, the industry has changed. I went to school for television writing. And oh, I, uh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I actually wrote a pilot for a TV show that I've been working on since I was like 15. Um, and then I, I wrote an episode of Supernatural as a spec script. And I just, I had some experiences at that university and it was a great university but it's go emerson yeah but um but it's i had some experiences at that university that kind of led me to believe maybe i won't quite fit in in hollywood um and uh the the line i'll never forget was my uh 
pilot writing professor said to me, collect friends because you'll never know when you need them. And I just kind of sat back in my chair. It's one of those life moments you never forget. It's like I sat back in my chair and I just kind of crossed my arms and went, nope, no, nope, that's, that's not what people are. People are not to be used like that. And so I switched my major from TV and uh, writing for film and television to interactive media, which was a brand new up and coming um, major at the university. Um, I had been working at the IT help desk. And so people who were in this field were like, you should come over to, you know, come over here. We, we like, you know, and um, interactive media basically is website design, graphic design, video production, that sort of thing. So my final project for my senior year was an iPad app. I'm not kidding you. Um, and it actually, but see at the time, this was the very first or maybe second gen, I can't remember, um, the iPad that had just uh, come out and I bought it at Best Buy and it was way underpowered and way overpriced. Actually, it was reasonable 500, I guess, compared to what we have now. But um, but it was not capable of doing JavaScript rendering very well. Let's put it that way. Um, and I come from a web development background. I, I, you know, I coded my own websites and things as a teenager. And, and um, so I decided I'm going to make an iPad app using this, it was called PhoneGap. And basically it's a, I think it's still around. It's basically allows you to take web applications and package them for native app distribution. Um, mm. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it's good, but it's obviously writing something natively is better. But, you know, have you ever tried to learn Objective-C? I mean, it's... it's uh, For about eight minutes. A, and then I yeah. asked Bart a question and Bart said, oh, man, I hate Objective-C. I, I, I can't do it at all. So, no. I was like, yeah, okay, I, I'm out. I, I tried Swift for about a week or two and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, it's Swift is a little better, but it's still like, mm. it's hard when you have that mentality from JavaScript or from CSS or whatever. It's, it's the languages are just Too very, different. very different. Yeah. So, but so I packaged this up and it was a little application to help you learn the hiragana and katakana, which are the base Japanese character sets. And so it was like, you would put up one on the screen and you would tap the English uh, the, the Roman letters that it represented or vice versa. Um, and it would keep track of your score and everything. But obviously What's, I got an what was, the app, what was the app called again? Called Kana Quiz. It's, it, I never put it on the app store or anything, but oh, it was just, okay. Okay. yeah. But I was, was out a, there um, looking for it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I, 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 even though I have a developer account, I've never actually submitted anything to Apple, but, um, but yeah, it, that was kind of where the whole thing started was, can I use my, you know, JavaScript background? Can I use my web development background to make apps? Um, and then the whole game show thing came about, there was one day they wanted me to do a special class and they were just do something fun, just do like a quiz or something, you know, 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, what can I do? And I did it in Keynote. Um, and it was just like a simple little quiz thing. And Keynote, unfortunately, I mean, I love Keynote and I use Keynote, but it's not as powerful as PowerPoint in some respects. In other words, you know, links and being able to do um, like a Jeopardy style game, for example. Um, <laughs> okay, like this is where it starts to go off. You start to diverge, right? Now you're thinking, okay, well, I got a quiz. No, no, no. I, I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean, this is this is exactly the way your brain thinks is I'm going to do a quiz. You don't think question, answer, question, answer. You think, I know, let's do it like Jeopardy. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I go way off the rails. And so for, for many years, I did it in Keynote and it was, but the major problem with this was and I had a really good keynote file. I mean, it was it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Had all those animations. You know, Steve Jobs would be proud. But <laughs> but um, the big problem was that you keynote has no way to hide. Um, if you've clicked on something, PowerPoint can change the color of the link to where it it looks like it's disappeared. It blends into the background. Okay, keynote can't do that. Okay. so I would have to every after every question, I'd have to hit escape, stop, click on the one the question that we just asked, delete 
the money amount and then put it back up full screen. Oh, and geez. at some point I just got, yeah, I know. At some point I just like, no. So I decided, well, let me see if I can do this in JavaScript. And that's how the whole thing got started. Oh. Um, yeah. So it was not, it wasn't, it was kind of built out of frustration um, of like, how, what can I build using what I've got and can I make it um, something good? And so it, it wasn't necessarily to like hone my skills or to get better at JavaScript. It was more like, here's a problem. Here's something I want to do. How can I do it? And, what is it? Uh, Bert always says, scratching your itch, right? Yes, exactly. No, it's scratching my itch, definitely. Um, so if you go from so, where you were doing... Oh, okay, go ahead. You, so no, you've, no, you've no. got your first JavaScript uh, game you've, you've started to write. And uh, yes. what was it? It was Jeopardy. It, it, okay. it all started with Jeopardy. Um, no, uh, it was either Jeopardy or, or a game show on Nickelodeon called Get the Picture. So just so uh, you people know, when, the same time. when she says Jeopardy, she doesn't mean that she's got what looks like a slide that says, and the, uh, and the answer is, and then you have to say the question out loud. She means it looks like Jeopardy. It actually is yes. the graphics of Jeopardy and it moves like Jeopardy, right? Yes. And it, it, it didn't always do that. Uh, <laughs> it, it's definitely come a long way, but, um, now, nowadays I, I almost look at it as art, which I know is kind of weird to say, but the goal is twofold. The goal is one, to make a functional application that I can use both in the classroom and in, at parties and things. But two, it's how closely can I get to replicating that TV show? Huh. And so, I'll, I mean, I will, I'll go in there and spend hours watching, you know, I mean, it's fun because I enjoy the shows, but I'll spend hours watching, you know, episodes and taking screen caps <laughs> and like zoom and like, the, the the fun ones, like there was one um, I made, which is Double Dare on Nickelodeon, probably most influential game show in my life. Um, the host called me after school one day, but that's another story. Um, but uh, I would go in and I was trying to replicate the clock. Now, the clock is, we're going to get a little geeky here, uh, as if we haven't already. Um, <laughs> the clock is what's called a vein display. Now, a vein display is a segment, seven segment display, which is where they use magnets to flip, to actually flip these little panels in and out hmm. to create numbers. Um, and you would see it a lot of times on game shows in the, the 70s and 80s and 90s. And, um, but I was trying to accurately replicate not only the flipping motion, but the style of the clock. But the problem is that when you're dealing with low quality, you know, YouTube video that's been compressed and it's SD, it's hard. So I would, I, you know, I'm scrubbing through all these old episodes, trying to find one shot of like more zoomed in version of the clock to be able to get a good <laughs> shot of it to be able to like okay what is what what font is this what style is this and then i'm like searching for vein displays on google trying to match that and then wow. get a good and and but so you know and then of course they go and they revive double dare and then i gotta say whoever did the on-screen clock is another story but the one that is on the giant monitor on the set whoever made that kudos to you it is beautiful it is gorgeous <laughs> and it's like it flips and it has these animations and it is it is perfect i it's it's a work of art and i want to meet whoever made that so so but, this um, this could be you know i'm i'm not a doctor but this might be in the uh, category of an obsession yes no it's that's the thing it's so i have it's a combination of i have um Mm, I don't want to say I have nothing going on in my life, but that wouldn't be inaccurate. But it's also, um, I have an excessive amount of time. Um, you know, one of the things, one of the nice things about working where I work is that um, they kind of leave me alone. And mm. so I have a lot of time to prep my lessons. But then once my lessons are prepped, it's like, okay, 
well, then what do I do with the remaining three hours that I have to be here? Because a lot of times we have to, we have to physically come into work, even if there's no classes, there's no students, you know, if it's a, if it's a day that we're expected to be there, we have to be there. Um, oh, including yeah. During the typhoon. I was gonna, uh, you remembered, yeah. yeah. I had to go into work during a typhoon. I rode my bike to and from school during a typhoon. Uh, <laughs> that's an experience I will never forget. Uh, but yeah. That's so, an odd rule. So you just have to be there. You just have to be there because you're getting paid. And I mean, so I'm, I'm not complaining because it's like I'm getting paid, you know, to be able to work on this kind of stuff. But that's partly how this started was, well, I, I've got free time. Let me try to make something that then I can use in the class that'll be productive. And, no, and I, I noticed so none it, of the none of the requirements you gave of doing this included engaging the children, but I assume that was no. really the primary motivation. No, see, that's the dirty little secret is that it's, I have, I have very selfish motivation. <laughs> so you don't it, actually it, care if you engage them or not? No, not really, no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, my, my, because unfortunately the, the way that, and I won't go too far on this, but the, the way that the Japanese school system is structured is, is unfortunately, once they get to junior high, it's very much about rote memorization and learning material to regurgitate on a test to get into high school. Oh, really? And it's it's not really necessarily about communication. Hmm. Um, it, and so a lot of their classes, you know, 80% of their classes end up being in Japanese. It's all just grammar, learning grammar, learning words. And so, you know, it, it's, I don't want to say it's all for nothing, because it's not, but my primary objective with primary school is to get them interested in English. Oh, I don't okay. necessarily care so much about the specifics. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Want, I have like, I have target lists of things. I want them to know these 10 or 15 things by the end of the year. Um, and if like 70 or 80% of the students do that, that's a success. But my primary objective is, do they come out of, of my classes feeling good about English and being interested and wanting to learn themselves? Because I, I, I can give an I can give an example of where I did that exact same thing once when Lindsay was in um, second grade. She had a little friend over for a sleepover, and the little girl made the mistake of saying to me, "Math is hard." Um, and, or, oh no, no, no! It was worse than that. It was she said, "I hate algebra." Oh no! And, and I said, "You know, sweetie, when would you have ever heard of algebra? You're seven, you know." And she said, "Oh, my sister's taking it, and she's uh, she she's got uh, you know, she really uh, hates it." And uh, she said, uh, "She said, you know, I I know I'll hate it because she hates it." And I said, "Well, let let me just show you something." And I sat down with a piece of paper with Lindsay and this little girl, and I said, "Okay, uh, let's say you got an apple and another apple." What do you got? She says, you know, two apples. I said, okay, good. So what if I, you had an A and an A? How many, how many, apple, how many A's would you have? Well, you have two A's. Well, what if I said uh, A plus A equals, they wrote two A. And they said, do another one. Wow. And I mean, pretty soon I had them doing pretty complex stuff. And like, just like what you said, I don't think either one of them ever remembered a single thing I said, but... They both yeah. walked away going, wow, algebra is fun. I mean, they did it exactly, for like 45 yeah. minutes. And I'm like, that was a sleepover, but they were having fun. And that's the memory they left with. Now, I don't know if it, that's the length of my classes. Oh, yeah. okay. You know, 45 minutes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So exactly. It's, 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 it's all about the memory and, and getting them interested and excited and, and wanting to learn. So Yeah, yeah. So um, we actually have a whole bunch of show notes, and I think we're start we're like halfway through the first bullet. Um, oh God! Uh, so you had a fascination with nineteen eighties game shows, right? Oh yeah. So you wrote down a um, few of them. 
Well, no, so those are points to hit. I, I'm, I'm going to keep this part very short. So um, I, I think there was something about that era. And, and it's not that I don't like, you know, the 1950s version of, of Price is Right with Bill Cullen or things like that. But, but there's something about the 1980s that just, it was in its stride. It was, you know, big money, you know, it was, it was the 80s, big hair, big everything, you know. And so you had all these game shows. Press Your Luck is one of my favorites, which is coming back this summer to ABC, um, which is what the summer and fun, summer fun and games they're bringing back all sorts of stuff, um, card sharks, ton of stuff. But, um, but my absolute favorite game show of all time, I think, is Super Password, which you know, I don't know if you remember Password or Password Plus yeah. with Alan Ludden, who was yeah. who was a legend. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I adore him. But Super Password had this weird, and it's something that's lacking maybe in game shows today. It, there was a spontaneity about it. Um, there was one episode I'll never forget where uh, the board, the puzzle board, broke. So they got a piece of paper. Instead of stopping tape, they got a piece of paper and a pen. They handed it to Bert Convy, the host, and he started writing the, the clues on the puzzle, on the little piece of paper. <laughs> and I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Like, we're just going to roll with it. Whatever happens, we're going to roll with it. You know, someone said the word one time and Rip Taylor was there and he tore his toupee off and he started, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know, I mean, it's just silly stuff like that. But it was, it, there was something magical about it because it was, it was the same thing with Double Dare. It was like you had these two shows that, that you had a, a great crew and a great people and a cast who was working on it. And it wasn't so tightly produced. I think today there, you know, everything's got to be like hit down to the, the nanosecond. And, and I wish we could just pull it back a little bit and give, give people a little bit room, more room to breathe, you know? So that's why I love 19. Don't, don't take shows. yourself and so seriously. Exactly. You know, it's supposed to be fun and, and, you know, a lot enough time in the game to be able to, uh, to have little moments of like, just joy of, you know, it's one of the things like Price is Right right now. It's, they've cut it down so much because they have so many commercials that they have to like rush through everything. And it just feels like, you know, what are we losing along the way if we chop everything up? You know, it's like, it's like the, um, the, the trend right now of like TV shows not having theme songs. And, and it's like, I know that people want to make things bingeable, right? But it's like, what are we losing along the way? We're losing that, that magic of like, oh, look, this is, you know, and I know people skip it after a while, but there's something about that, those theme songs that stick in your head, you know, that you remember that and you remember what the show was oh, like. We're, we are rewatching uh, Andy and Mayberry from the beginning. It's, it's on oh, Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is, we whistle every single time and every once in a while See? they cut it off or they cut a piece of it. It's like, no, come on. That's not what we do. <laughs> That's, exactly that's just wrong. and it brings music brings people together you know it's something which i know i know you know maybe not me case, but, you know, okay <laughs> maybe not you but 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 you can but i think maybe you can aesthetically appreciate it as a oh, yeah. as you know some sort of thing that can you when know actually, it, it's like, actually this is starting, there is you know? an exception in music for me and it's when it's associated with oh. a visual component so like a music video ah, will impact me where the music alone won't. And so watching Andy and Opie walk along with the fishing poles going down to the, the creek, poles, you know, yeah. they can go uh, crawdadding or something, or, uh, getting some frogs. I don't know. And they're whistling, you know, <laughs> I, I, that's a full on huge thing for me. But anyway. Oh, that's so interesting. Wow. So um, real quick, by the way, if you're interested in 1980s game shows, uh, buzzertv.com, they, um, Buzzer is uh, Fremantle's channel and they run almost 24-7 just classic TV game shows. Um, and it's free. There's no subscription That's or anything. That's B-U-Z-Z-R, right? B-U-Z-Z-R dot, uh, B-U-Z-Z-R-T-V dot com. 
Um, and, uh, and I, I t- often take VPN airlines to, uh, to have a go at, at a buzzer, but it's fun. So. I love that you call it that. That's awesome. I've heard that a few times. <laughs> no, I got, I got to I got to credit Tom Merritt with that. Oh, I really? I got the idea. Well, he always talks about taking frequent trips to Japan or whatever. So I decided to take that and go with, you know, VPN airlines. I like so. it. I like it. That's perfect. So how yeah. did you, how did you learn JavaScript in the first place? I don't remember. I really <laughs> it just don't. came to you. I, I've been working my tail off trying to learn JavaScript, and it's so killing I was, me. I was talking to my mom this morning, and um, and what she was she was talking, you know, maybe you want to turn this into a job or something someday. And my big problem I was trying to tell her was that I don't I don't know how to really read documentation. Hmm. Like I don't know how to how to, how to read the, the the manual. You know, interesting. Um, it's that doesn't that's not how I learn. So I start with a problem of like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? And then I go and search and I look at forums and I look at code and, and just, so my, my, my dirty little secret with all of these is they're, they're really cobbled together. Um, there's no, you know, and I've gotten better about code organization and, and I use Adam. I think you use Adam sometimes yeah. too. Um, I love being able to fold code. Uh-huh. So I've started, you know, breaking my code into segments of like, this is the buzzer part. This is, for you know controlling the game board this is the scoreboard mm-hmm. and so it's it's easier to read but um but it is definitely there's no like professionalism to it i guess is what you oh, like if someone looked at my code they'd be like oh my god so I, I, I think I, i'm gonna end up in the exact opposite place is with um with bart's help he's he's really pushing us in programming by stealth he's taking the training wheels off now and he'll just give us a leap in, in the assignment, you know, they'll be like, well, you didn't spoon feed me how to do that. And the answer is to read the manual, you know? And, and uh, Uh, so he's, he's teaching us how to learn. I mean, definitely he's all over, you know, stack overflow and all the places you go to find code. Um, But the thing I always get stuck on with that is how do I search for it if I don't know what it is, you know? Oh, yeah. I remember oh, I've done that so many times. My dad couldn't yeah. spell his way out of a paper bag, and he would always say, well, how am I supposed to go look up a dictionary if I don't know how to spell it? I can't find it. And that's what I feel like. We're, we were searching for, I, I needed to know a way to, to move a column over in Bootstrap, and I didn't know what the word would be. I, I, I mean, I couldn't figure out how to find it. And he said, well, it's offset. Well, yeah, but how did you know oh. it was called offset? If I knew it was called offset, yeah. I'd probably have thought of it, but I didn't know that. So I will be able well, to. And that's when I would go searching for like move column horizontally, <laughs> bootstrap, and like 10 different combinations of that until you find something that hits. Yeah, and, maybe yeah. I cheated and did it the wrong way. But I think when I'm done, I will know how to read the manual and do all the structure and do all the commenting and co- fold my code and it'll be all beautiful, but I actually won't know how to do any JavaScript. That's what it feels like. Oh, sometimes. no. Oh no! I should bother yeah. you more for help with my my code. That would be you fun. should. I, I don't know if I can help much, but I, I will. I will try. I, I'm no. based on what you've um, done. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, you. St- it's all an illusion, though. It's you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm tricking you into thinking that things are happening on screen when they're really not. You know, um, I'll never forget you. You once were uh, it was the security bits or something. I think, and you were talking about how something can be off screen in in a web page. And, and I was just sitting there thinking like, that's like half of my apps. <laughs> it's like, it's like hiding something off screen and then moving it with an animate for zero to a position oh. to make it look like, yeah, to make it look like something is happening. Oh, that's good. And, and Interesting. It's really so I do credits because I'm crazy. And so I will spend like an hour <laughs> typing everyone's name from like super password or whatever into a div 
And then, you know, basically it's an, a div that's off screen um, on the, so the bottom of the screen, I set it to like, so it's 1920 by 1080. I set it to be like top 1100 or whatever. And then I use an animate to scroll it from bottom to top <laughs> and then time it. So it's, it's like this like 20,000 pixel long div that is sitting off screen. And then you just kind of scroll it from bottom to top. I think you can do it, it like with toast. Control. Couldn't you? I mean, there's exactly the, the thing is there, are, there are more efficient ways of doing everything that I do. I think <laughs> it's just, this was like, how do, how do I do this? Well, let me try this. Hey, it works. Okay. That's good. Moving on. We, you know, I think I could help you with that. I, I think that's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I know that's probably not a, a good way to no, do but it. That's, but that's good. You heard me learning something and that you were using that. So you've yeah. got a list of things under the title JavaScript code to write games. What is this about? So, um, well, one is, I'm sure everyone, or I hope everyone knows about this site, but I wanted to point it out. Uh, what the font on myfonts.com. No, I haven't heard uh, of that. Which is a great, really? Well, so good. I'm glad I brought it up. Um, it is a great resource for uh, figuring out what a font is or finding a close match to it. So one of the problems is when you're dealing with, you know, 1980s SD video is figuring out what fonts they're using on these shows. Now, sometimes like $25,000 pyramid, it turns out that it's, you know, they took a font and they hand drew it and they changed it a little bit. So that's a little difficult. But a lot of times, if you take a screen cap of text and then you drop it into what the font, it will find a match or a close match. Um, and so basically it, it does, I guess, OCR oh, on the wow. text. But not OCR, like pattern it. recognition more. because Pattern recognition probably, yeah, yeah most likely. Oh, but that's it, crazy. It, it looks and it, it and they help you find them. And, and so that's how I find, you know, various um, fonts to use in the game shows. And I try to get it as accurate as possible. Um, although sometimes I will take creative liberty and like, I found the, the recently I was reworking pressure luck and I found the font they used on some of the game board. And it's just like, yeah, you know, that is the font, but I don't like it. So I'm going to pick a close, uh, a similar one, you know, it's just, you know, why not? But, um, so that's a fun one. Um, so there are a couple of really key things that I don't think I could do my game shows without. One is called Transit. Um, it's basically a, a jQuery library. And Transit allows you to do really smooth, really solid animations. Um, now, I've been using this for years, and jQuery has definitely come a long way. But back in the day, jQuery animations were not up to my, you know, requirements. Um, but so J Transit allows you to do, um, you can do, you know, flips, you can do 3D animation, you can, um, and you can you can chain and, and queue things up so you can have it you know move here and then flip there and and you can um, so a lot of times I will use this for um, if I'm animating um, you know a tile or something like you have a game board and it has numbered squares and then you're flipping something uh, and on the on the reverse of that div is oh. another div that's got text on the back okay um, so so this is a great library to be able to to do those kinds of things really easily. Um, and again, you can do it just with jQuery, but um, I've been a big fan of of Transit for a long time because it's just, it's smooth CSS transitions and transformations. Um, really nice stuff. Um, the other one is is the one that, if you had to ask me to give up everything but this, this is the one I couldn't. Uh, it's called Mousetrap. Hmm. Mousetrap is a fantastic uh, thing for JavaScript. And basically, it allows you to, it's a library to handle keyboard shortcuts in JavaScript. So you can bind keys to functions okay. so th 
So this, so it, so I have a I have a, a function I use in all of my apps. It's called Space Out, and what Space Out does is it's anytime I need to hit the space bar in the app, everything is in that space out. Um, and so when I, basically it's like mousetrap dot bind, and then you type in the word space, and then function, and then it says uh, space out, and that's it. And so when I hit the space bar, it triggers that function. So this is good for. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire, for example, when I'm going through the rule explanation and when I, it's like kind of like a keynote or like a slideshow, you push the button and it advances to the next slide. But huh. I use that in, in uh, mousetrap. The other thing I use mousetrap for is when I use buzzers. So I make, I make uh, wired buzzers. I mean, I use iPhones as well, but for some games, when they're only like th- two or three teams, uh, I use buzzers and you get a push button and I get giant red push buttons. <laughs> Like that. And, uh, and then I, um, they're basically with this, uh, board called a Makey Makey. A Makey Makey is, uh, an open source hardware project. Um, it's mostly designed for kids, but, um, I found them very useful. And it has, if you look at it, it kind of looks like a game controller. And so it's got like an up, down, left, right, and then like two buttons for A and B kind of thing. And it has 18 total buttons and you can map them to keyboard. Uh, buttons. So it, it tricks the computer via USB. It, it presents itself as a USB keyboard. And oh. so you run, you run the two wires that you need, you know, ground and, and the, the other wire for a button. So when you push it, it sends the signal to the computer. For example, um, my buzzers, I have up, down, and right. And so when I push the button on the buzzer, it triggers the makey makey to send the up key command to the computer. And then mousetrap sees the up command, and it runs that buzzer. It's like, oh, this is team one. Team one buzzed in, so it does all the stuff, whatever. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a simple way to make buzzers that are affordable and that interface with JavaScript. Um, I should point out, it's open source hardware, so there's the VLAS Fun Force Touch Controller, which is like half the price um, and just as good, and so I bought three of those. So I used to have it where I would use an RCA cable for each buzzer, and I would plug it into a control box. But this gets very messy, and when you've got kids running around, it's like it's complicated. So I actually put a board in each of my buzzers. So then I have three cables, and that's it. And there's USB cables. They run to a hub that runs to the Mac Mini. And uh, so it's very clean and simple. I, I have um, to say, I don't know about everybody else, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little lost here. Sorry. So, I, I, so I've been trying to think about how can I explain this simply because it's it's complicated we need a wiring diagram but uh so the the kids have these the kids have these buttons yeah but hey come on we're learning javascript in an audio podcast we can do this that's true what am i saying this is this is child's play here Uh, literally um so so the kids have (laughs) the kids have these little buttons and these little buttons are plugged into iphones uh, no, 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 no. So the iPhone is a separate. Thing. Okay, forget the iPhone um, for a minute. That, that's not a so they got these yeah. buttons. What are the buttons um, plugged into? A USB hub. USB hub, which is okay. And the USB plugged hub plugged into the Mac Mini. Into a, in all into one Mac Mini. Yes. Okay, so it's and so teams each buzzer. Yes, teams. Okay. And so each buzzer represents a different key on the keyboard. Ah, okay. So, that's back to mousetrap. So, right. That's that's how that that's how these tie in. Is that so? Team one would be up. Team two would be down team three would be left or right or whichever one um and so each each buzzer is hard coded into when they, when they push that button the only key that it can send is that one key that i've specified because okay. of the wiring and so then mousetrap is reading that and so basically for the buzzers um like let's say i have 
when I push the period on, I, I have standard controls across all my applications. So period is unlock the buzzers. And so there's basically a, uh, a variable that is um, a player lockout or something like that. Um, and basically player lockout, when I push the period, it sets it to zero. And so when they hit the button, it's in that function of, of the buzzer commands. It's, well, if player lockout equals equals one, it just does nothing. So it locks them out. They can't do anything. Else if, and then it goes to, you know, if they buzzed in, then it detects, oh, no one's buzzed in. This is the first person. Okay, immediately set everyone else's variables to one. That way it locks everybody out. Okay, So it's, okay. it's, it's kind of, yeah. It's, I just it's, had a great so idea, though. You could get one of these mm. makey-makey things, connect it up, uh, do this mousetrap deal that you're doing to fix a, a stuck key on the new MacBook Pro's keyboards, <laughs> right? <laughs> poor, oh, man. poor Kaylee has a cold, and every, and every time I make... Every time I make her laugh, it it turns into a coughing fit. I'm sorry. That one I did on purpose. That's okay. No, no. Can can I say, by the way, real quick, and we won't devolve too much, but I had a first generation MacBook, uh, the, 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 the adorable, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the small one, the, uh, and, and I, I had a stuck key and I never realized it until years later because I thought I did something. (laughs) I thought, oh my God, I babied that thing. And how did it get, how did something like this happen? And it was only years later I realized, oh, yeah, no. It was probably a neutrino underneath the keyboard. (laughs) Right? Something, I don't know. Something light like that. um, Okay, that was... But no, that would be great. It's a cheap shot, but that's something you would do, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, kind of, yeah. Actually, but I I do do this sometimes in class... um, so sometimes we're jumping ahead here, but um, there's unexpected uses, how complex applications can lead to port simpler ones. <laughs> so um, sometimes I will make a simple app, something very simple that is just, it's taking parts from other applications, other games I've made and making something simple. So for example, I have what's called a team randomizer. So all, in my classes, they have their groups. And on certain activities, we make groups. And it's like red, blue, yellow, pink, green, and purple. And uh, I sometimes I have this app where, I use my one giant buzzer and it's a big red button. So they love it. And it's like, I'm going to hit the button. Here we go. I'm going to hit the button. And I hit the button and it starts the randomizer. And then when I hit the button again, it stops. So on the screen, it's flashing, you know, red, blue, yellow, pink, green, purple. It's randomizing with JavaScript. You know, it's, it's doing a uh, random number generator every, every, you know, I don't know, 200 milliseconds or something. Okay. So then I hit the button and it stops the board. So it's, you can, you can take things like this with makey makey. You can make, you know, you make really complex game shows or you can make something that's just very simple, like selecting a team to answer the question or whatever. So, and so let me ask at this point. So let's say you're, you're playing a game. They've got, you've got this randomizer thing going. Uh, it comes up pink. How are they learning English from this? So a lot of times it'll be, well, so this is more, the game shows are for review and I don't do them every class. I only use them, um, I would say near the end of the semester. Oh, okay. So I use these game shows to to reinforce the lessons that we've already learned. So you might be doing so, boring rote memorization for three or four weeks, and then well, they get to to play I a try game. Not to do that, but <laughs> I can't but picture yeah. it. Um, but the first time they do it, um, they first time they play the game show, they're all like a little nervous. They don't know what's going on, and then once they realize that they they that I do this, they start to pay attention a little more in class because I tell them, you know well, we'll do this again at the end of the next semester. And there's three semesters in Japan. So they kind of know, okay, if we work really hard all semester, then we'll be able to play some game shows. And I usually do them like back to back. So I'll do two or three weeks of game shows near the end of the semester 
just to like, you know, have a little fun, let them cut loose. You know, it's probably a little stressful at that point because they have tests and things. So, um, you know, I have a lot of creative freedom, which is one of the, the nice perks about my job. I, you know, there isn't so much pressure to like, you got to do this, 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 this. It's like, just make the classes engaging and, and hit all the material. And so I, Jeopardy is a great one for a review because I'll put, you know, different categories up there and then they can, you know, it's like one is like we did um, animals, you know, so one will be animals. We did, you know, greetings, one will be greetings, et cetera, et cetera. So, so in, in, would you have in, in Jeopardy, you would be saying, um, you know, the answer is lion. Wait, how would that work? <laughs> um, usually it works. So there'll be like a picture of a lion up there and then they say lion, although lion is lion in Japanese. So, um, you know, something like that, but it would be like a picture, let's say, and again, you're dealing with grades three and four, you know, a lot of times they, even grades five and six, they can't read much English. So, um, it'll be a picture up there or something. And then they say it in English. Um, so maybe there'll be like someone who's sad and then they go, they buzz in and I, I ask, how are you? And it comes up and they're like, they buzz in. I'm sad, you know. So oh, okay. Just to get them to read yeah. it. Exactly. Oh, okay. You know, and I, and I scale it up as it goes. So grade six has a little bit more um, reading and like, so something will come up, they have to read it or, you know, something, uh, there'll be like a question and they have to answer the question. So it'll be like, you know, uh, what's the weather today? And they have, you know, it's sunny kind of things. So. Oh, wait, um, I, I've got a great about, idea here. Great thought. Um, whether you've done this or not, I'm going to, I'm going to act like I know what I'm talking about in programming, but if you've got the, a game built up like Jeopardy, but you've got these two or three or four different levels of students, do you access what the questions are like as a JSON library using Ajax maybe? Oh, I should. Yeah, I totally. Should. Do you have replicants of the, uh, of the game? Um, I have. So I, what I do, oh, see, you're, you're, you're calling me out uh, of my <laughs> terrible programming skills. Oh, this so. makes me so Here's happy to I, know something that might be helpful, though. No, this well, actually, because I've been looking it. for a long time on better ways to manage questions. Mm -hmm. So I have, um, I have a few different games over the years that are for each grade that I built. So I have a grade five game one, grade five game two. And it's basically that it's grade five game one dot JavaScript, uh, dot JS. And so what I do is, you know, in the in the HTML file, I comment out all of the uh, games that I'm not playing except for the one that I'm playing. And so then it allows me, or I will have, there's two ways to do it, that, or the other one is I'll have like, going back to Mousetrap, so like G1 would be game one, G2 would be game two. Because you can do, uh, I didn't mention this, you can do combinations. So it's not just like push the G key and it does something. You can actually have it be like G1 and then that would be game one. Um, I actually have a, like a, a, for lack of a better word, a new can pave option for any of my things. If I type R-E-S-E-T, reset, it basically, it wipes all the variables, clears everything on disk, and it resets the game back to the pristine, fresh factory state. Um, and so you can do all sorts of really cool combinations, but that's how I typically do game changes is I'll just type in like a, a game three, game four, et cetera. But, but so, I, I, really I didn't quite follow. Is there a different version of the game replicated for each grade? Um, no, it's different JavaScript files. Right. Um, but I mean, so you then, don't want to, if you, if you make an improvement to a clock in a game or something like that, or an animation, you don't want to have to go over and say, okay, I need to change it for sixth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade. No, 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 no. So it's, it's all one, it's all one. Um, see again, this part of, part of the problem with Jeopardy is that it's, it's, it was one of my first apps. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of code that I look at and I go, oh my God. I wouldn't do it that way now. It? Yeah. I wouldn't do it that way now. Right. But one of them is the way that, 
it handles the questions and it reads it reads input from variables so it it's you know everything's hard coded it's not okay. there's no json there's no ajax well we've just so just, just so you it, know we've just started um uh accessing json ajax, and, and ajax right? in the last couple of episodes so you could I, I, the earlier I part was on. was probably way too rudimentary for you. Parts of it, I'm sure, were very complex. There, there was a whole uh, clock thing that had me going for a while. But anyway, just recently we've gotten into doing the JSON thing, and we're just starting to learn uh, AJAX right now. Like we, had, like the last two episodes. So if you go back, it's like funny two or three, because I, I, I started learning AJAX just a little while ago because I was making a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire app, and. Um, that that's where the iPhones come into play, where you've got two-way communication going mm. and it's sending commands via PHP and it's doing all sorts of crazy stuff with it. Like it's calling PHP stuff with Ajax. And, and so I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. Okay. Because well, it's, it's for the, this audience, the, I love the fact that this is a conversation in what I call chit chat across the pond light. Okay. This is not right, one of your heavy episodes. So sorry. No, 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 no. I'm saying this is, this is an appropriate type of light, light episode for my, my show. Um, I, I remember making Dave Hamilton laugh when I told him that uh, I pointed out that it was a light episode of Chit Chat when we got deep into how to calculate your internet speeds by your router numbers and all that. Oh, um, that was a good one. But yeah. Just so people know, uh, JSON is a, is a way to make like a have a lookup table, if you will, of um, mm-hmm. name value pairs, they call them. But basically, you've just got look this up, it'll return that value. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a very simple dictionary kind of thing in programming. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I can but explain exactly what, what I need. Ajax is yet, yeah. but my understanding so far is that it has to do with HTTP calls. So it's actually right. you're asking a server, quote unquote, which can be the server you're running, but you're asking it for a file and it's going to return an answer to you. So uh, exactly. that would allow you to separate out these files of of your your library, say, of questions of uh, questions and answers for a game show, separate from the raw code. So it wouldn't be in there, and they could exactly. they could talk to each other. So I and that's 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 how I did two way communication with the iPhones. Is when you push buttons, it's sending signals, you know, via AJAX and PHP to the Mac Mini that's writing stuff. Oh, to it disk is with AJAX, and then save. It is. Oh, with it AJAX, is. Yeah. I'm sorry, and it's okay. saving. But so, so, but so that's the thing is that Jeopardy, Jeopardy's separate and it's kind of, it's older. And part of the thing is Jeopardy is everything takes place on the Mac mini. There's no iPhones or anything that are involved. Okay. Well, that's not true. I, I recently <laughs> uh, upgraded it. You're lying to yourself <laughs> again, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I recently upgraded it to where um, for Final Jeopardy, they can put in their wagers and they can also put in their uh, responses to Final Jeopardy. Um, and so at the end of the game, they, or it's sending that data via AJAX and PHP to the server that reads it and then writes it to a file and saves it and then everything's good to go. So it's, okay. but it's again, it's, it's millionaires. That's a whole other story. It's, you've got nine teams and like, like literally 200, 300 different variables all at once. And it's, you know, it's a mess, wow. but it works. So, uh, yeah. Talk about the old iPhones. Cause there was a, there was a whole thing about that. Kaylee and I have these long discussions in telegram where I learn all this crazy stuff and she sends videos and photos and, and it, it, she makes these little videos for me. And then for like four months, we won't talk to each other at all. And then it'll start up it's again true. and it'll be like fast and furious for weeks. It'll just go on and then it'll just calm down for a while. And then we'll start back up again. Um, that that's how I am. That's my natural rhythm. Oh, okay. Is, oh, right. 
I'll go crazy for a while. And then I'll be like, okay, let me do something different. And then I'll do something different. And then I'll be like, okay, now I'm back. And it was just kind of what happened with the podcast. It was like, I went so hard for so long. And then it's like, okay, all right. I just need to take a break. And then I took a break and it's like, but now I'm now back you're all at excited. it. As long as my voice holds together, right? You know, but, um, but so the iPhones, the thing with iPhones is um, I found the sweet spot of cost versus performance. Um, and for me, it's the 4S, okay. which I know is crazy. But but the beauty, and, and people would say, why are you using a 4S? It's insecure. Yes, it is. That's why I don't put any personal data on there. But um, the 4S, it only goes up to iOS 9. But iOS 9 has just enough of, you know, solid JavaScript performance. And, you know, it's 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 advanced enough to where I can do what I need to do with building web apps. But it's not so expensive that I can't afford them. Okay. Because I can usually find these the iPhone 4S's for, you know, I would say 20 or 30 Hoonyakers. Um, you know, and, and remember, one Hoonyaker is about a dollar. So, oh. or no, 100 Hoonyaker, you know, one Hoonyaker is about a dollar is how it works. So, but, um, so, but basically, so I find these old iPhone 4S's and usually um, the batteries on them are dead, which is why they're being sold so cheap. And if you look on online, you can find on Amazon, they're, companies that sell third-party batteries, you know, be careful which ones you buy, but I, I usually buy the ones that Amazon recommends and I haven't had a problem yet. But um, the other thing with iPhone 4S is unlike the 5, the 4S is really easy to swap the battery on because it just has that nice little glass back panel. You take two screws off, pop it off, and then you just pull up the battery and then you pop the new one in and, you know, screw everything down and you're good to go. The 5 and, the f- and beyond, um, you have to actually get suction cups and pull the LCD off. And then you have to get the ribbon cable out and you have to make sure you don't break anything. And if it's a touch ID device, you have to make sure that you don't rip the touch ID sensor. And so it's kind of like those cost more and are harder to repair versus the 4S's, which do everything I need and they're cheaper. So why so not why just go do with the 4S's? All right. These aren't going on the internet anyway, are they? So when I use them, they are, they are on a, um, an Air Mac Express. Um, for legal reasons, it's called Air Mac in Japan. Uh, that'd be an airport express. Oh, okay. um, I guess someone already owned the term airport um, for wireless routers. Okay. So uh, they call them Mac here, but um, rest in peace <laughs> someday maybe. But, um, but yeah, the Mac expresses, um, they are not plugged into anything. So it's just, it's a local area network that the iPhones all connect to. So and then my perfect, Mac mini then. connects to. You're, you don't exactly. care at all about the security of that. You're, you're, Who cares about yeah. security? Cause they're not online. Plus, it means that people can't cheat, and it means I don't have to worry about kids getting online and doing something, because I lock everything down with, um, you know, I do the triple tap on the home button, and it does, um, what is it, guided access yeah, mode. Yeah. And so, when I give the kids the iPhones, I lock it to that to make sure they can't play around. Sure. But, you know, in the event, I don't know, who knows? You know, I don't want to take any chances. So even if they break out of that, they can't go anywhere, because there's no internet. So, right, right. Anyway, it's... I always take precautions when I'm using technology in the classroom to make sure that nothing goes wrong. So you know, I I oh I'm, I'm caught between two things. I want to go off the rails, but I want to continue. I'm going to go off the rails instead. Um, go off the rails. So what made me think about going off the rails was uh, your care to make sure that the children are protected from things is is really interesting to me. And in one of your last two podcasts. You were you were talking about something. You should call me out on this. Okay, I'll I'll do the opening line and then you yell at me. 
What, okay. Why does anybody care about Netflix not allowing you to airplay to uh, to an Apple TV? Because like there's <laughs> there's already I mean, Netflix is already on the Apple TV. So why would anybody ever need to airplay? Because when you're showing something to kids, you don't know what's going to ha- come up in the time between when you launch the Netflix app and when you select the program you want. Yeah. And and for me, and plus the fact that, you know, I have a WiMAX router and it's it's basically unlimited. But, um, you know, I like to just lock everything down as much as I can. And even if I can, you know, if I can use internet at school, so be it. But it's like I would rather download it at home onto my iPad with the Netflix app. And then airplay it to the Air, Apple TV. So you have one hundred percent control of what's going. One hundred percent control. It's on there. It's ready to go. And I've I've isolated it just to that one thing. And I can just yeah. It's it's it's. I don't know. I I maybe this comes from like wanting to be in television production. And I I kind of look at my classes as a production in some ways. It's like I try to make sure I, I operate it as professional as possible. Mitigate every and I risk. Everything moving right? smoothly as possible. Yeah. And I have backups. Part of the thing as well, by the way, of why do you need two iPads? It's if one dies, if I have a problem with one, if something happens, there's a second one ready to go that has all of the files I need to do my class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always about redundancy, Um, you know, back up everything and and have backups. Okay. You know, I mean, there was a teacher uh, I think it was in the U.S. who I'm not exactly sure what happened to them. I even forget if it was male or female where something incredibly inappropriate came up on screen. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty mm-hmm. much the end of their career. And and I was I was this happened here. too. I was waiting yeah. to hear you say that, like, that's why you're so cautious. But you're just trying to make this as professional as possible and making sure it's that both. it's. Yeah, well, yeah, protect yourself, but protecting the children. And because it, yeah. the last thing in the world you want is there's a lot of weird stuff on, on Netflix. That's why we love Netflix. But, but exactly. you know, that's maybe not for fifth graders. Exactly. And I and I and, and the other thing, too, is there's cultural differences. Mm. Something that you think isn't is fine. They might look at that and go, oh, my God. Ah. Or someone might look at that and go, oh, my God. And so it's better to just be safe than sorry. Sure, you know? sure. So, um, you know, and I don't have anything, I don't have anything really bad on my iPad or anything, but I always make sure when I'm showing them something, I lock it down to just that app. I make sure I, I control all the variables just because, you know, again, cultural differences, you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. And even, it, even something as simple as like accidentally showing a photo of like a family member or something. I mean, technically I'm not supposed to do that. It's in the contract. You're not supposed to show members of like, photos of, of family and friends but it's also like oh, wow. you don't know what kind of a reaction they're going to get and then by accidentally showing that photo you've disrupted the class the flow of the class now they're so focused on that and they're not focused on what you wanted to be focused on so when i use technology it's in a very controlled way of like this is the this is the sort of i got it i don't know what the word is in english this is the flow of, What's the word of in what japanese? You're, you're doing mm-hmm. what is the word in japanese Nagare, um, which is kind of the flow of things. My, my brain Nagare. sometimes, sometimes my brain will just like drop out of English for some reason. It's like there's no English up there. What happens? So, so we've we've um, talked about why you use iPhones because the iPhone fours cost how many Huniacres again? Twenty thirty twenty thirty Huniacres. That's amazing. So then you get the batteries, you put in the batteries, but and and we know what network they're on. But what do the iPhones have to do with this whole plot? So there's a few things that I use them for. Um, one is so for my Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game. Um, on the iPhones, it'll come up with 
the four choices, A, B, C, D. And then if they have lifelines, they have the lifelines. I mean, I use that for um, review. Um, and that, that when I used to teach um, junior high was when I would mostly use millionaire, but I still do it for the kids. Um, partly it's, it's about challenging them to read the English. And so I'll put up a question that has enough keywords that as a group, they can kind of figure out what the, the question is and then figure out the answer. So it's not necessarily about 100% reading comprehension. It's more about not giving up. Like that's the point of the exercise is like, we're going to play a game that looks like a game, but really what I'm trying to get you to do is to look at a question or look at something in English and not be afraid of it. Oh. I'm trying to get you to like, okay. look at it and go, okay, well, what do I know? What have I learned? Because it's not, I'm not asking about, you know, the sum of topic particles of, you know, <laughs> elements such and such or whatever. Like it's, it's something, you know, which of these, which of these characters is the oldest, you know, and the keyword there is oldest. They've learned that. So they should know. And then, you know, Snoopy, Mickey Mouse, whatever. And so it's a question that they can, and they listen to me as well. It's about listening as well. I read the question out loud. So, you know, that kind of thing. But then I also, I'm developing right now simpler games of like, for example, on the, because I have a, a TV, I should point out, I have a TV in all my classrooms and it's like a 50 inch something that's 10 years old, but it works. Um, well, I have well, to use a I, I have to tell you, HDMI adapter, my, but, my immediate you know. image was a 27 inch CRT when you said a TV in a classroom. It, oh, really? Then you said 50 no, no, inch. Uh, oh, it's really old. Like, wow. It's well, it's it, well, you know, it's, it does say 10 years old, but but it also it's a plasma, so there's burn in issues oh. and things, but but at least it heats the classroom, hmm? at least it heats the classroom, right? It, it's true, yes, it keeps us warm because there's no central heating in Japan, but um, at least very little. But, we had a, um, we had a plasma, a 42 inch plasma TV, and I remember the first time I walked by it went, Whoa. <laughs> like I felt yeah, the heat they, coming they off. Get of hot, it. Right? We it's used like, to make a oh fire in the fireplace, like really often before the temperature rose so much. And um, in, in the winters, we would always do it. And when we got the plasma TV, we stopped needing to make a fire in the fireplace. You're making me laugh again. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm, I'm sorry. Insert laughing here. No, no, it's okay. No, please tell funny stories. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, but yeah. So so that's connected. So I have the TV in the front and. Usually in my class, by the way, on a typical day, I use a program called Doceri, um, D-O-C-E-R-I. And basically it's a, a whiteboard application. Mm. And so I will take screenshots of PDFs of the, the textbook and put them in Doceri. And then I can use my Apple Pencil to write, write in Doceri. Um, it's still not been updated for the new iPad Pros. I don't think it ever will be. But, um, but you know, it's a great app for what it is. And um, so I can prep a whole lesson and have that. But that's all done airplay wirelessly. So with the iPhones, I'm developing an app right now. Um, basically that vocabulary would come up on the board on, on the TV and then it would shuffle, but one of them would be missing. And then on their iPhones, the like four choices appear. It's basically based on millionaire. Four choices would appear of which, which one's missing, or maybe the spelling is different, or maybe, you know, like which one is spelled correctly or stuff like that. And so the first team to tap in gets three points. The second team to tap in gets two points. And then they, they're all in little groups. And so they kind of work together to, um, you know, uh, to answer the questions. And I have, I have like, at this point, I've got like 11 or 12 iPhones sitting around here. Um, oh, wow. I, I usually have, it goes back to redundancy. I use a maximum of nine in the classroom. And then I have two standing by if something crashes, if something, if the battery dies, if something happens, I can swap it out. Because the, the backups always have everything installed. So I can just be like, here, use this one instead. 
and so the the class flow isn't disrupted. That's, it keeps that's going. back to the whole backup thing, right? Mm-hmm. Always have redundancy and always have backups. It's it's very important, especially with data and photos and everything. But you know. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got it. You spelled it right. Doceri, D-O-C-E-R. She's watching it's the great, show great notes. Great We're using uh, Apple Notes actually for the notes. show notes. I, you know, with most people, I use Google Docs just because I figure oh. it's generic with everybody. But uh, but the thank you it, for using Apple Notes. Yeah, well, no, it Everything. works great, right? Exactly. I, I use Apple Notes for everything. I actually have all of my school, like all the answers to all of my lessons and everything. It's in one Apple Note and all of my notes for schools and everything. They're all in one app. And I have a folder called, you know, school. And, and I mean, I, it's, it's good enough for me. And being able to use the Apple Pencil and write. And so do I just noticed something crazy about Apple Notes. And maybe what? you already know this, but I've showed three people so far and they're like, what? Um, if you write your notes reasonably clearly in with the apple pencil or with my uh my new logitech crayon um no don't don't remind <laughs> me i'm gonna spend more money the um it's doing optical character recognition it's it's yes. not changing it into type text but that like the title of the note will be whatever you wrote on the first line and you can search for Isn't stuff that's that in the crazy? notes like, why yes. do you need it typed as long as you can find it? I mean, you can't copy and paste it someplace else for, you know, normal people to read, right. but for yourself, that's, well, that's I, bananas. I, I, I can't read my own handwriting, but, you know. <laughs> I have noticed the one thing that can't, it has a lot of trouble with OCR is if people write in all caps. Um, uh, Don McAllister writes that way like, in pet. Like block print? Uh, yeah, I guess. Or like uppercase. Yeah, all uppercase. Yeah. Don McAllister and Pat Dengler both write that way. And they, I've watched them both try to do it at like, I just showed this to Pat earlier, uh, last week, I think. And she tried it and she's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't recognize mine. And I remembered that Don did the same thing. So I think the capital letters just don't work. That's interesting. I I think people write all caps. They run it together and it's touching each other. And my students do that a lot. They, they learn. Because they learn what's called Romaji, which is Roman characters. Okay. Um, but it's the 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 it's basically just our alphabet, but it's putting Japanese into our alphabet, and so and there's problems with that because they misspell things and and it's we, they teach them one way and then there's actually a more correct way that we have to reteach them later on. So it's like why can't we just teach the first <laughs> way from the beginning? But but because it's decided, it's Japan. It's that's the way we've always done it. So why would we change? But. But um, so a lot of my students, when they get into my class, they they know how to write their name, but they only know how to do it in all uppercase letters. Oh. And I noticed they 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 slur they they do the same thing. They either they put their letters too close together or they put them too far apart. Um, but yeah, they oh. they have that issue as well. So I have to teach them. And I I tend to I, I'm not a stickler for um up you know uppercase and then for the first letter and then lowercase lowercase whatever. I, I tell them that multiple times throughout their, their time with me. But I also make a point to say, you know, recently a lot of people have started stylizing names to where, you know, maybe you won't capitalize the first letter of a name mm-hmm. or maybe you'll do all caps or something. That happens a lot on Twitter or like, yeah. look at, you know, all these Silicon oh, Valley vendor startups. Oh, you know, vendor names or company yeah. app names. It drives me crazy. I just... Uh. Well, well, me too. But, but, but I like to present the reality of the situation rather than saying, this is the way it is. And, and your teachers, and I tell them, your teachers are going to tell you in junior high that that's wrong. And they're right. It's wrong for the test. But people do it this way. So just keep that in mind. Oh, that's I, I, Maybe they'll it, like that, though. Right? Yeah. I, I try to, I try not, I don't, my attitude towards kids and my students is that I don't, I don't, I don't 
say students, I, the kids, you know, I treat them like people. They're just little people, but they're people. They're smaller than everybody else. They're younger, but they're people. And I, I don't talk down to them. Um, bringing it back to the game show conversation, um, Double Dare, which it was a Nickelodeon, you know, the original announcer of the show, Harvey, was broadcaster in Philadelphia for a long time. And I saw an interview with him a few years ago, and something he said stuck. He said that the first time when he was starting doing the announcing on the show, um, you know, he was all like, hey, kids, how are you doing? You know, and being like really like Bose of the Clown, kind of silly. And the kids saw right through that. They saw he was being fake. Mm. And one kid finally called him out on it and was like, you know, you're being stupid, whatever. And then he, from that point on, he started to treat the kids as if they were just uh. people. And they responded to that so well. And I've always done that in my classes is I treat them like people. Because a lot of times in their classes, you know, it's the teacher. I'm the teacher. You're the student. You know, I know better than you. And regurgitate this and, you know, whatever. And that's the structure in Japan. And I want to tell them, you know, no, you're smart and you can do it. And, and I, the dirty little secret I tell them is, well, we don't know everything. What? Teachers don't know everything. You tell, Nobody you let knows them, everything. You let them know that? I do. I let them know the secret that we don't know. Every, I, every at least once or twice a, uh, for, through their career with me, I do something and I'm like, I put a question on the board and then they're, they're expecting me to give them the answer. And I'm like, I don't know the answer to this. Nobody knows everything. It's okay if you don't know everything. Oh, wow. Just keep learning. That's the important thing is to keep learning. I have to keep learning. Even as, as me, as still being, you know, whatever age I am, you know, I have to keep learning. We all do. That is, that is such a beautiful thing learning, to teach. You know, what a, yeah. I, I've, I've decided, my mother used to talk about my father, that one of his great virtues was that he was curious about everything. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, he was curious about it. He wanted to learn everything he could. And I've decided that the people I enjoy most are the people who are curious about everything, who want to learn. Not the people who exactly. say, oh, I already know, you know, I don't know anything about that. I don't want to go down that road. You know, I I, I do it this way, you know. You know, it was funny. Uh, I was talking to my mom earlier, like I said, about programming. And I said, she was like, you know, why don't you do it as a career? And I said, well, because I know enough to know how much I don't know. <laughs> and and it's like, I know how much I want to know, but I also know where I'm, I, you know, I think that's when you have the desire to learn mm-hmm. and you learn a lot and then you, you begin to realize you're, you're, you look at yourself and go, well, actually this is, this is what I know. You know, instead of being like, oh, I know everything. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 I know this much and I can see how much I don't. And I think maybe that's, I don't want to say wisdom, but maybe that that's, you know, it's curiosity. Maybe that's in, in intelligence. I don't know how we would describe it. Yeah, but, um, I, think, I think people who do that learn more and are, are maybe more, um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think know-it-alls learn anything. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because they know it all. Why do they need to yeah, learn anything? Yeah, they don't need you know? to. The other thing that I think you're doing uh, with the kids that my dad also talked about was he said uh, he would always explain everything in excruciating deal, detail to us uh, when we ask questions as children. And my mother would say, well, you know, they're not going to learn all that. They're not going to be able to understand all that. You told them too much. And he said, I figure kids are like a, a, a wine bottle. You can take a bucket of water and pour it over the wine bottle and a little bit gets mm-hmm. in each time. Yeah. My, my analogy for that is like fishing. You cast a net out and you're trying to catch as many fish as you can. Mm. And you always are going to miss some, but the goal is to get as many in the net as you can. And every time you just try to keep casting a wider net as big as you can, 
and hope for the best. You got to figure and, out why that, that, that pike is hiding under that little, little ridge of the rock over to the right though. And why, why she never gets caught mm, in the net. Right. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's always like, come on, I see you over there. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I, I love about talking to Kaylee is I, I believe we could record for what, Another three or four hours, I think, without I any trouble. Like as well, yeah. <laughs> but I think we we could go for days and I think so. run up your hosting bill. Yeah, yeah. I I I love talking to you, Kaylee. I just everything well, everything you. about the stuff you teach and and uh, one of the things I told Kaylee when we first uh, started talking was that it, you said that you had trouble finding girl geeks in Japan. That 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 wasn't mm-hmm. a thing, and I said, "You have found your tribe here." I mean, we're we are full of geeks and full of girl geeks, it's true. and um, scattered, but 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 there are definitely a lot of girl geeks. Yeah, there, yeah, it's not quite in like the, in the in Silicast community. You know? you can't quite go out dancing with us. It's a little hard. We yeah, got to figure that out. But uh, but people um, who are who are interested in the same kind of things and have enthusiasm for the same kind of things, but don't know the exact same things. Are are I think we have the tribe that uh, that can be um, I don't know I, I love the no sale castaways I'm gushing I'm sorry it's true <laughs> and if nothing else you know you can always say that the tribe has spoken so I'm sorry I had to do it. It's- I, I, I'm a Survivor fan, so whenever you say no silly castaways, I, I'm like, where is Jeff Probst? Why? Which one of us is Jeff Probst? I don't understand. Well, I didn't coin that. And actually, you were talking about capitalization. I can wind this all up. Rose, uh, well, let me say this first. So um, Bart put up a um, a poll in our Slack where he asked, is the C in, in no silly castaways capitalized? And he he sort of slanted the question that he kind of wanted it not to be that he doesn't like middle caps and in, in, in word, word leading caps within the word that that sort of thing. Um, right. And when I weighed in, I I literally used my text expander snippet to find out because I don't know. I just I I made a text expander snippet when when Rose from Australia made up the name. And I just put it in. And so apparently there is a, a capital C in Nosilicast as well. Who knew? Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, uh, yeah no, no. I, I don't know. But um, but there was a point to the story. Oh, so this gets back to the uh, the capital C thing. But it was Rose who named us the Nosilicastaway. So it's her fault. <laughs> oh, okay. I, so we, we all blame it on Rose. We love Rose, though. Definitely, That's, definitely. Yes. All right. So um, I'm going to close this off. I'm going to stop babbling myself. Oh. But um, so people want to find you. Where is this fine podcast, the Zetai Geek Dio podcast? Well, um, you can type in Z E T T A I, and then that in Apple Podcasts or wherever, that'll pull it up usually, Zetai Geek Dio. Um, or you can find it at Platypus podcasts.com um there's a story there i won't get into but you have uh, to be able to spell platypus i guess but i'll i'll work on it see this is we 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 see we're kindred spirits i think because we both have poor choices in naming maybe (laughs) in terms of seo that's right before we got on the air we were talking about seo search engine optimization and i said yeah if you're taking advice from someone who named their website after their feet and their and their podcast their name spelled backwards you're you're talking to the wrong person Right, and mine is mine is an English podcast that's the title is two thirds Japanese. It's like, what what am what am I thinking? I don't know. But you but said if you search, if it, you can spell zetai, z e t t a i, yes, you will. It auto completes. You'll find it, right? 
Mm-hmm. Even after Apple Podcasts pulled me because I forgot to pay my, my hosting bill, but that's another story. <laughs> it, it's still auto-completed. It's like no search results, but it says it's there. It's, anyway, well, so, I guarantee you, if you, if you can find the Zetai Geek Dio podcast in uh, whatever podcatcher you listen to, it is a fantastic show. You can start at the beginning. It's kind of evergreen sort of content, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. We have some fun segments and things. Oh, yeah. It's, good. it's a great, great show. Anyway, thank you so much thank for you. being on the show. And- Thank you so much for having me. And I had a way to close this this podcast because we we're talking about pressure luck and game shows earlier. So I'd like to say, as we always say on this show, stay patched, stay secured, and stay away from those wicked whammies. Ooh. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSillaCast ways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other NoSilla castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.